My name is Jeff Brookshire, and I'm one of the teaching elders here at Crossroads. Our lead pastor, Rod Zwimpke, is on a well-deserved sabbatical, and will be back just now in, in, in a few weeks. Several months ago, when Pastor Rod and I were praying about what each of the series would be in 2019, we thought it would be wise to spend some time talking what the, what the Bible had to say about conflict, especially conflict in the church. Because we recognize that every church around the world sometimes experiences seasons of conflict. No church is immune. We do not live in the fantasy that crossroads will not face conflict again. So we thought it would be wise that while we're not in a period of conflict, that we're in a season of peace, that it'd be wise for us to look at the Bible and find out how it is that we should be conflicting with one another when those seasons of conflict come. Recently, I spent several weeks in my one-on-one -on -one time with God. Usually, I do it in the mornings. And I spent that time reading through the Bible book of Proverbs. Now, if any of you ever hear somebody say that the Bible is not practical, then I encourage you to challenge them to read the book of Proverbs because it has all of these practical one-liners of wisdom that are just powerful. That if you take those and apply them into your life, you're going to see real life change. For example, how many of you are morning persons? That you wake up in the morning, you feel great, you know, you're wide awake, you're ready to face the day, you've got all this energy for the day, and you feel like this. How many of you would say that you're morning people and feel like that when you get up? Anybody? All right. I have a message for you today. Those who are not morning people in the morning despise you. That's what the Bible says. Listen to what the Bible says. If anyone loudly blesses their neighbor early in the morning, good morning, neighbor. How you doing? Good to see you. How you feeling? What are you going to do today? It will be taken as a curse. So people who are morning people, you need to tone it down a notch for those who are not morning people. Or, how many of you, when you are in your neighborhood and you see a stray dog and you don't know if it's the nicest dog or the baddest dog in the whole darn town, how many of you are willing to walk up to that dog and grab it by the ears? Anybody? This is what the Bible says. Like one who grabs... A stray dog by the ears is someone who rushes into a quarrel, not their own. Is that not practical advice? Wow. 
Don't grab a stray dog by the ears. Don't rush into a quarrel that is not your own. Stay out of it. Or here's another one. Let's say today that uh, for lunch, you have a choice about what you're going to do. And the two choices are, you are going to go to your favorite restaurant and get your favorite dish for lunch, or you're going to go home, pull out the bread that is about two weeks old, and eat dried out crust of bread. Which would you choose? In this proverb, the Bible says you should choose the dry crust of bread. Listen, better a dry crust with peace and quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. Keep all of your feasting and your family drama. I'll take the dry piece of bread with peace and quiet. Practical advice. Last week, we talked about um, the practical advice of how you prepare for talking to someone with whom you have conflict with, right? We gave some real practical advice about that. This week, we're going to talk about the practical advice of when you go and speak with them, when you go and talk with them. So let's just jump into it. Jesus said this, Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, now I'm going to stop there. Jesus is talking about this in the time frame of 2,000 years ago when there was a Jewish temple in Jerusalem on the Temple Mount. It's not there anymore. Now, actually, there's a mosque, a Muslim mosque there, which creates all sorts of tension, as you can imagine. But the temple was there, and when they would make offerings in the temple, they would bring, according to their income, certain animals that they didn't have a lot of income, they'd bring pigeons, or they'd bring an unblemished lamb, or a goat, or a, 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 a bull. They would bring these, these offerings into the temple so that they would be sacrificed. So Jesus is saying, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar, first go, and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. The principle is, go first. Go first. We often, when we are in conflict with someone else, we think that the other person should come to us and initiate the, con initiate the conversation first. But Jesus is saying, no, it's our responsibility to go to them First, which means that we're not going to do two things. First of all, we're not going to stuff it. We're not going to stuff the conflict inside. You know what I'm talking about? Where you think, oh, I'm just going to stuff these motions of anger and frustration and, and disappointment. I'm going to stuff the conflict inside and everything's going to be okay. Stuffing never works. In fact, there is a saying that is wrongly attributed to Buddha. I'll just put that out there. There's a saying that says this, holding on to anger is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die, right? Holding on to it on the inside is killing you, not the other person. 
But we think that by stuffing it, it is going to work when it never does. We should go to the other person first. The other thing that we should not do is to drop hints. Where we start dropping little hints to the other person that we're not happy, that we're frustrated, that we're angry with the other person. We drop hints. We give them the old cold shoulder, right? Or, or we give them the silent treatment. That'll get them. Or we start throwing out some sarcastic comments. Anybody good at sarcasm? Because that's what I grew up on was sarcasm. Sarcastic comments. Or we give them the look. You know what I mean by the look? Boy, my dad had the look down pat. Whenever he gave me the look, he was saying to me, either you stop or you die. It's your choice. <laughs> right? So we do these things. We drop hints at them. We start dropping these hints, hoping that they will get the hint and they will come to us first and initiate the conflict. But Jesus says, go to them first. Because when we're dropping hints, it is a passive-aggressive way of dealing with conflict and therefore unhealthy. Go to the other person first. The second uh, principle is this. Assign high value. This is what Jesus said. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Raka means worthless. That's what Raka means, worthless. So when you go to somebody and you consider them to be worthless... You consider them to be a fool. Jesus says there are some serious consequences. These are strong words from Jesus. What Jesus is saying here is, is that we need to treat each person with high value. Because God gave us high value. The Bible says, God so loved the world. Meaning, God so loves you with a love that is tremendous. With a love like you've never been loved before. God loves you with that kind of love. And God loves the other person with that kind of love as well. He has assigned high value to us. And we must assign high value to others as well. I mean, think about it. If somebody comes to you with a conflict and chooses words that make you feel like they know that you are worthless, that you are a fool, are you more likely to listen to that or are you more likely to listen to someone who comes to you and assigns high value to you, one of high worth? You're going to listen to the one who assigned more high value to you, right? Because you're going to be defensive when you hear the other person. That's what we've got to do. The problem is, 
is that those who call people worthless forget their own worth and they forget the other person's worth and they forget the worthless and foolish things that they've done in the past. The Bible reminds us in many places, indeed, there is no one on earth who is righteous, no one who does what is right and never sins. Sometimes when we go into conflict, we forget that. We see ourselves as the hero. We see ourselves as the one who has done everything right. When the fact of the matter is, is that we've done some worthless things. Can we not agree on that? We've done some foolish things in our lives. We've sinned in our lives. But that doesn't mean that we don't have value. It just means that we need to be forgiven. Forgiven by God and forgiven by others. So assign high value to others. The third thing is go with hope. Go with hope. I love this passage. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I love this passage because it is so practical. It's saying that not every, rec not every conflict that we have is going to end up in reconciliation. It's not always going to be possible. Why? Because it takes two people working on the reconciliation together for reconciliation to take place. It takes two people to do the hard work of restoration for restoration to take place. So it's saying that there are going to be times when it is not possible. But if it is possible, as far as it depends on you. Now, what is that saying? It's saying that you are the only person that you can be responsible for. You can't be responsible for them engaging with integrity. You can only be responsible for your own integrity, your own words, your own actions. So when you go and you speak to someone whom you are in conflict with, Go with the hope that reconciliation will take place, but also go protecting your own integrity as far as it depends on you. Live at peace with everyone. The fourth principle, be gracious. Be gracious. Now, this is audience participation time, which means that you participate. <laughs> All right? So here we go. We're going we're gonna to finish this particular phrase. Ready? Here we go. Sticks and stones may my bones, but... Right. Okay, here's another one. I'm rubber, you're glue, what... What bounces off me sticks to you, right? These are not found in the Bible. <laughs> Though I do wish that Jesus would have said to the, the religious establishment of that day, I'm rubber, you're glue. 
That would have been hilarious, right? But these are not in the Bible. In fact, the Bible takes a different stance. The Bible says this, the tongue has the power of life and death. The tongue has the power of life and death. What it means is, is that words do hurt. Words do stick. In fact, I'm guessing that some of you right now are thinking of some words that were spoken to you that hurt, that cut you to the core, that wounded you, and maybe the wound is still wide open and festering. Words do hurt. Words do stick. So what we say and how we say it matters. The Bible says this, Fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. So a couple of key words there, full vent and rage. Rage is a whole nother level of anger. Can we not agree on that? That is just like a whole nother level of anger where you are raging and if I dare can say it, you are pretty much out of control. When, at least when I've been in times of rage, I have not been in control of myself. In those times, I often give full vent to my rage. And in doing so, I use words that are not gracious, but I use words that hurt, that tear down, that injure the other person, that cut them to the core. The Bible says, fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. Now, does that mean that you can't be angry? Like I said last week, anger is not a sin. It is an emotion, all right? But the Bible does say this. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. So the Bible is saying that we need to speak truthfully to our neighbor, meaning we need to speak our truth. Even if we're angry, we need to speak our truth. Now, how do you do that? Well, first of all, you put off falsehood. You don't embellish the facts. You don't make up facts. You just speak the truth. You speak your truth. And your truth can be spoken by using I feel messages. Where you would say something like, when you said dot, 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 I felt angry. I felt hurt. I felt disappointed. I felt frustrated. Or when you did dot, 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 I felt dishonored. I felt put down. You see, you're communicating your truth. You're saying, when this happened, this is how it made me feel. All right? Now, 
Some people have a hard time with coming up with feeling words, right? So if you will, at the end of the service, pick up Guidelines to Resolving Conflict at the back tables here and also out on the counter, the last page is a whole list of feeling words. So if you're having a difficult time knowing how to express your feeling, that is a great place to go because you can look through that list and say, oh, there it is. There's what I was feeling. That's how I can express it. We need to speak our truth by putting all falsehood. And when we do so, we are giving the other person a chance. We're giving reconciliation a chance. So choose your words. Choose gracious words. And that will promote reconciliation. Number five, seek to understand. Seek to understand. Another proverb. Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. So what it's saying there is, is that when you go to another person to talk to them, you do not want to go with just giving them a lecture where you blow in, blow off, and blow away, right? You don't want to do that. You don't want to just go in and give them the lecture and then leave. What you want is to develop a conversation, a gracious conversation. If possible, as far as it depends on you, you want to develop a gracious conversation where you are seeking not only to be understood by the other person, but to understand the other person, to understand them. It's a two-way street. Seek to understand. And then lastly, commit to seeing it through. Commit to seeing it through. The Bible records this event. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Now, I know this may sound a little strange, but this makes me laugh. Because, and when I put myself into the situation, when I put myself into Peter's shoes, he's coming to Jesus, he's asking a really good question. How many times should I forgive? But he, instead of just leaving it there, he answers his own question. He says, seven times? Isn't that a good number, Lord? Isn't that a lot? Seven times? Can't you, can't, aren't you going to give me a star for forgiving somebody seven times? My goodness, I should get an A-plus on that one. And how his head must have spun when Jesus said, no, not seven but 77. What? 77? What Jesus is saying is that we've got to commit to get, seeing this through. What I've seen too many times in my own life and in others is that we haven't given reconciliation a chance. We've given it one chance. We gave it one shot. I went to that person, 
I shared with them what they did and how it made me feel. They rejected it, and now I'm done with them. That was a sorry. I'm done with them. What it's saying is we've got to commit to seeing it through. Last weekend, um, Jill and I shared our 34th wedding anniversary. And um, I'll just be honest with you. It has not always been rainbows and kittens. (laughs) It hasn't. In fact, there was one particularly dark time when both of us were thinking divorce. Both of us were thinking about just calling it quits. Before we did that, we decided we would go to counseling even though we could not afford it. We made that that commitment to go. And sometimes we left counseling feeling worse than when we walked in. But we stayed to it. We committed to it. And because of that, reconciliation gradually started to come in. Restoration started to develop to the point that we were able to get through that dark time and find the peace and the joy and the friendship that we wanted in the first place. It takes commitment, friends. It takes hard work. I don't want you to get the impression that from the points that I made last week and the points that I made this week, that reconciliation and restoration is an easy process. Sometimes it does go easily when both persons are committed to it, but sometimes it is hard. So if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You see, Jesus is not asking us to do something that he has not already done for us. When he says, go first, he is saying to do it just like he did. When he died for us first, while we were yet sinners. When he says, assign high value, he's saying to do it like him, that he loved us first before we loved him. When he says, go with hope, you're talking about Jesus who is filled with hope that we will all come to the reconciliation, all to the recognition, there's the word, that we are sinners in need of a Savior and Lord. He goes with the hope that we will find salvation. When he says, be gracious, he's saying, look, I have been gracious to you by giving you the promise of heaven, the promise of salvation. When he says, seek to understand, he understands us because he left his throne in heaven, became flesh, experienced the same trials and temptations that we experience even though he did not sin so that he could understand the struggle that we go through in our own lives. 
And when he says to commit to seeing it through, it reminds me of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Read that passage. It talks about Jesus saying to God the Father, please let this cup of suffering pass from me. I know that suffering is in my near future. I know that I'm going to die upon the cross, that horrible death. Please, if there's some other way for salvation to take place, please let this suffering pass from me. But then he concludes, not my will, but your will be done. He committed to seeing it through, even to death upon the cross, so that you and I could be forgiven of our sins, saved from hell, saved for heaven, and find life everlasting. So I want to pray two prayers today. The first is I want to pray for those of you who do not have a relationship with Jesus. I want to pray that today that you will ask him for forgiveness of your sins and that you will promise to follow him as the leader and Lord of your life. The second prayer I'm going to pray is for those of you who are experiencing conflict right here and now. And I'm going to ask God to bring into that relationship peace and reconciliation. So let's pray now. God, I'm so grateful for the many words in the scriptures that you've given us that are so practical and help us lead lives that are like Jesus, to lead godly lives. I thank you for giving us instruction, and I pray, Almighty God, for all of those here today who are far from you, who do not have a close relationship with you, Lord Jesus. I pray that you would draw them close to you. I pray that they would ask for forgiveness of their sins, that they would confess their sins to you, and then that they would promise to follow you as the leader of their life. Please, Lord, let this be a day of salvation, be a day where they cross over the line of faith and move from being citizens of hell to being citizens of heaven. I also pray, Lord, for those who are in conflict right now where things look dark, they look impossible. With you, all things are possible, Lord. So I'm praying, Holy Spirit, that you would move in each of these relationships. That you would bring integrity into those relationships. That you would bring grace and mercy into those relationships. That you would bring understanding of oneself and the other person into those relationships, that you, Lord, would bring a sense of wisdom that's from on high. And Lord, I pray for the miraculous to happen. I pray for healing. I pray for peace that passes all understanding. 
I pray for the peace that only you can give. Lord, please guide us. Please protect us. Please make us a people of peace and unity and restoration. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen.